the relationship between athletes and cannabis has long been decried for its perceived negative association. Thankfully, that misconception is being reshaped as athletes are now experiencing a certain form of liberation, one which has inspired them to move from the shadows and serve as advocates for the medicine that they deem so vital. These stories are worthy of greater attention and will serve to help augment the discourse around medicinal cannabis. The cannabis culture and sport deserves to be celebrated, not maligned. And these conversations will move us in that direction. Welcome to Winning with Cannabis with your host, Bill Bronner. This is your host, Bill Bronner, with Winning with Cannabis. Uh, today, I'm thrilled to welcome a guest, Anna Simons, who is a multiple-time national champion and all-star rugby player, uh, coupled with that, a mixed martial artist, and um, most importantly, a CBD educator who is determined to shift the cultural perspective around how we heal, grow, and thrive through plant medicine. Welcome to the show, Anna. Thank you so much, Bill. It's great to be on. Indeed. And before we um, jump into the subject matter, I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't call attention to um, the you know, very kind of radical changes that um, humanity has been wrestling with over the last couple of weeks. So with that being said, um, is everything good with you and your, your family? Everyone's safe and healthy, I hope? Yes, things are good here so far. Um, yeah, so... Um, how about how about for you? Yeah, no, things are things are um, pretty well. Thanks. Uh, I haven't been um, adversely impacted in a personal way in terms of you know something um, you know directly impacting my family, but you know this wave of sorrow that has overwhelmed um, the globe certainly weighs on my consciousness on a daily, at times sometimes hourly basis. So it's a lot for all of us to digest and. Probably listeners out there who have, um, you know, been suffering. I know someone that is currently suffering or lost loved ones um, to this uh, dastardly virus. I'm sending you positive vibrations and wish you all the best. So I wanted to get that out of the way because it's an, uh, an important um, important commentary to, to shed some light on. So shifting gears here, um, uh, I wanted to first better understand how you got into the world of rugby and it's worth noting um, that I myself am a former rugby player I was quite enthusiastic about the sport in uh, in high school and played flanker for four years played in sevens tournaments all around Colorado and was a pretty avid player and since then my game has kind of atrophied but my interest hasn't <laughs> it's only just waned because I've had so many other things going on in my life but I didn't really encounter rugby as a sport until much, much later on in life. When did you start playing yourself? Yeah, you know, it was similar for me. Um, I started in college, and I think for uh, for many players of my generation and older, um, that yeah. is where we first encountered rugby because it didn't really exist at um, the, the youth and high school levels at that time. Um, and so most of us were first exposed and had the chance to play in college. So I started playing when I was 19. And um, where'd you go to? I'm sorry, I was interrupting. Where'd you go to college? Sure. Uh, I went to Fort Lewis College in Durango, Colorado. Ah, okay. I'm quite familiar with Colorado then. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful area. Uh, I had a great experience at the school. And um, there was a men's team already, um, 
but my friends had just started a women's team that fall. Um, and you know, when I, I came and I transferred to that school and I, I started playing in, uh, the winter or yeah, I guess winter of 2000. So, uh, a little over 20 years ago. Wow. It's quite a career spanning 20 years. When did you ultimately transition to the USA rugby women's premier league? That happened um, later, or did it happen shortly after you departed for Lewis? Well, the Premier League wasn't formed until 2009. Um, so before that, we just had Division One women's club as the highest level. Um, and that was my team here in Portland, Orsu, Oregon Sports Union, uh, was in that women's Division One league. And then when the Premier League was founded, we were invited to take part and, um, and we did join that league. So, um, and then we actually, we were in it for two years. We were having trouble paying for the competition. So we uh, went back down to division one for a couple years and then rejoined uh, the premier league. And so, yeah, that's how it went. Forgive me, because I have been quite disconnected from the rugby world for, for several decades on end. I do know, obviously, that it um, its prominence still reigns in so many other countries, but I'd like to think that it has become progressively more popular here in the U.S., albeit, I'm sure, um, moving at a much more glacial pace than most people would like. But have you seen um, kind of a sizable difference in popularity from, say, you know, the early 2000s to, to now? Or is it just in kind of a steady state? No, absolutely. The sport has grown a ton and is continuing to grow. And that's um, due to a few things. Um, well, you know, we kind of alluded to it earlier. Um, starting younger, you know, now we have a lot of high school programs across the country and growing and even youth programs, which are, you know, mainly um, they're touch or tag or flag non-contact um, but players are starting to um, to get the skills at a younger age which of course allows them to uh, be at a higher level much sooner in their lives so by the time that they're 19 they might already be very skilled and accomplished versus that was the first time I ever touched a rugby ball or saw one <laughs> um, so um, so that's exciting number one the grassroots growth and then we've also seen um, sort of at the top of the performance pyramid growth there where um, sevens rugby, you know, which is a variation. There's 15s, which is our typical rugby union, and then sevens, um, which entered the Olympics in the last summer, summer Olympics. And um, so that was a really big, exciting step for rugby as well to have it become an Olympic sport and to see worldwide growth. Um, and, and those two sort of feed one another because as kids see these Olympians um, competing and they see you know, the excitement of this game, the passion and the uh, just incredible, you know, you know it's, it's almost indescribable how um, rugby can sort of just sweep you off your feet you know it's it's really wonderful that way um and so we're we're attracting new fans and players across the board at younger and younger ages um, which i think is awesome 
Yeah, it sounds like some really positive developments that are happening. Um, and, you know, the Olympics were a huge impetus for that. I'm curious, you called some attention to youth development. And I suspect that that's probably an area that uh, you've dedicated some efforts, uh, both currently and in the past. I'm a father of two young girls. Truth be told, I guess I'd be a little bit hesitant about steering them in the direction of rugby. Um, you know, it is termed, um, you know, elegant violence, as you well know. Mm-hmm. What, what were what, what was your parents' stance on your desire to participate in rugby? Were they pretty supportive or were they a little bit more on the sidelines and, um, you know, maybe initially less comfortable? I think my mom may have had some discomfort at first just because um, my parents live on the East Coast. And so it wasn't like they could come out and watch me play when I first started. I think they may have felt a little more comfortable if they had been able to. Um, I don't know that for sure, of course. But over the years, um, they've really, you know, my mom has gotten to see me play now. She watched on live streams a lot and then finally got to see me in person last year, which was uh, very rewarding for me. But um, I do think that's a valid concern and I understand it. I think we're learning a lot about head injuries and just head impacts in general and how that affects um, children in particular, you know, and athletes in sports. And even when we're talking these, um, you know, air quote, uh, non-contact sports like soccer, for example, I played soccer um, right up into college and and I quit that when I discovered rugby, Um, you know, but being a tall player, there were a lot of plays where I headed the ball and you practice that so many times, you know, and now they're saying, uh, researchers are saying, hey, that heading impact actually does affect um, the brains, especially developing brains. So, um, so I think it's a question for sports across the board. As we learn more scientifically about head impacts, how will that affect the rules and, and the laws of our games and sports and competition? And I think rugby has an advantage there because uh, at the global level, as you know, I'm sure they update the laws um, quite frequently to sort of tweak and adjust things. And generally speaking, those changes are made to improve the game in terms of um, both game flow for excitement and promoting, you know, a fun (laughs) game that flows, but also for safety. That's the other big piece. So I think all sports will continue to have this reckoning where um, do they adjust their rules and how? Um, and until then, of course, we do have, uh, I fully support youth at the youth level not having uh, tackle sports at all. I don't think they need them before high school. It's actually a good segue into a, a deeper discussion about cannabis and the beneficial uses. I know you've been at the, the forefront of um, kind of that, uh, you know, domestic agenda, if not a global one, in terms of helping to crystallize um, a lot of the, the, the kind of, um, I should say, kind of leading issues and helping to address a lot of the misinformation um, and the lack of consumer knowledge that has created, you know, such kind of, you know, I guess, widespread and debatable views about whether it's advantageous or, um, or harmful. So number one, I appreciate you 
for helping to um, kind of steer the conversation in such a you know productive way. Um, but I guess what I'm what I wanted to find out from you is during your experience as a player, um, both amateur and the professional realm, when did you first come into contact with cannabis and when did you have that aha moment where um, you know you started to uh, in a very palpable way um, you know feel the, the, the benefits that um, that the medicine provides when did that happen yeah um, I would say it was I would I would estimate that that my awareness around that changed probably about 12 years ago um, I've been using cannabis for uh, I guess over 25 years now so I had experienced cannabis but I always thought of it as this fun thing to do um, and of course I did think it was a drug not a dangerous one but that you know is what we were taught growing up and um, you know I knew from using it that it wasn't dangerous and that and I didn't consider it to be a big deal um, but I did think of it as more of a, a party thing or a fun thing with friends um, until I, I had an experience um, smoking cannabis directly after a game when, or, or, you know, not like immediately, but sort of once the soreness had started to set in, you know, within like, I guess after maybe an hour after finishing, you know, when your adrenaline started to fade, those endorphins are leaving your system and, um, and then all of those aches and pains really start to make themselves known. And so, um, so I smoked with some teammates and I immediately felt this relief. Um, not just pain relief, but I swear I could feel sort of the, the healing and anti-inflammatory processes. Um, it made my body feel good, not, not numbed, not dulled, um, but, but even more integrated, if that makes sense. You know, I could feel um, I, a, a loosening, a relaxation of my muscles and the ability to stretch more um, deeply and satisfyingly, um, as well as that pain relief. And so I was like, oh, this is why you guys do this right after the game. Like instead of going drinking, like, you know, the team often <laughs> rugby has a culture of doing. Um, it was like, oh, wait a minute. And so that was when my awareness first started to shift. And then it took, it took several more years before I really started to apply that. Um, but, you know, change can take time, I think. <laughs> Indeed. Well, that's a lovely epiphany. We have to take a, a quick commercial break and I want to resume and find out how that awakening that you had translated into you kind of trumpeting the, um, benefits to a, a much broader audience, especially those namely um, in the rugby world. So we have to take a quick commercial and then we'll pick right back up where we left off. Our advertisers are winners. Please check them out during this brief timeout. Candid, captivating, compelling. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Welcome Sorry to Cannabis Confidential. Oh, yeah, you got me again. All right. Uh, you got me again. Welcome to Cannabis okay. Confidential. Ah! <laughs> hey, we did it. We did it. Welcome. 
I have the coolest guest today. You guys already know. The one and only Tommy Chong. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Cannabis Confidential. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Fetch your earbuds and stay tuned for some pure pet care conversation. Hi, it's Angela Ardolino with It's a Dog's Life, and I have Hernanda Umana joining me. We're just both so fascinated with how much we've learned since we've been in this pet industry and creating an all-natural product. Because it's a dog's life. I am a huge fan of my guest today, Dr. Bob Goldstein. I have, in my experience, not seen many natural substances produce the results that CBD is producing in the animals that we are testing on. It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. We're back on the field of play with more Winning with Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. Sandra, before the commercial break, you had um, so wonderfully described kind of that transformative phase that you had as an athlete in terms of uh, more accurately recognizing the benefits of the plant and seeing that translate in a very direct way in terms of your post-recovery and um, all the other aspects of of kind of your, your training regime. I'm curious to know when it kind of dawned on you to take that knowledge that you had accrued and um, have that willingness to communicate it with a much broader audience, whether it be outside the sports world through your educational work or um, as described before within the sports realm where I know you've been somewhat of a, a force of change in terms of shining a bright light on the importance of cannabis and, um, and trying to persuade people to more readily accept it for um, all the right reasons. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it was kind of a convergence of a few different things (laughs) that took me on this path. And the first was um, just, you know, I started doing my own research into uh, the scientific research that was coming out or that was available and continued to come out. about cannabis in general, but I developed a particular interest in CBD. And I had also begun working in the cannabis industry here in Oregon. Um, And through that, I made connections and was offered this position as a cannabis science educator. Um, And so I was then able to develop this educational program, CBD certified, which um, I've gone on to present to uh, thousands of people. Uh, it's a cannabis science program with a focus on CBD, but really includes a discussion of the whole plant um, because I believe that is the best medicine 
Um, so, you know, I had these professional opportunities and then I was also applying this knowledge uh, to benefit my own body, my own physical performance, my own well-being. Um, and then I was lucky enough to connect with Athletes for Care, which is a nonprofit advocacy organization. Um, and, and through that group and the power of our combined voices, we've been able to really um, amplify this message that, um, you know, cannabis is medicine and there are numerous well-documented therapeutic benefits um, that work through a variety of different components of the plant, a variety of different mechanisms, and that it has been unfairly stigmatized um, politically and socially because the science has always been there um, that this is, you know, a beneficial medicinal herb. Uh, not a drug of abuse. So um, I think as, as this movement continues to evolve, it might be exciting to feel like, oh, we've come so far, you know, we can walk into these beautiful weed stores and, and things are so different now. But it's important to remember that there's still a lot to fight for. Um, and really, our job's not even halfway done as far as activism and advocacy. We have a brief commercial break here, Anna, and we're going to pick up where we left off in a moment. Our advertisers are winners. Please check them out during this brief timeout. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at s-h-o-o-g-i-e-s dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. The National Cannabis Industry Association presents the 2020 Cannabis Caucus Event Series from March 10th through March 26th. Don't miss this exclusive opportunity for NCIA members to network, learn about regional issues from influential guest speakers, and get the latest news about NCIA's federal policy work and emerging topics. Look for this year's only tour of Cannabis Caucus events coming to Portland, Denver, St. Louis, Detroit, Chicago, Newark, Sacramento, and Los Angeles this March. Stay connected, get informed, and take action to protect our industry and your business. Register now for your complimentary tickets at thecannabisindustry.org slash events. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. 
we're back on the field of play with more Winning with Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. Anna, you and I had um, discussed the possibility of linking up here in Washington, D.C. a couple weeks ago, and that you were going to be assuming um, a central role as a speaker for the American for Safe Access um, National Conference. Uh, needless to say, that conference and so many others got scuttled. I want to um, kind of turn it over to you and see if you can't uh, provide listeners with a more kind of full-fledged understanding of both the organization, its goals, its relevance, and some of the specific campaign that it's honing in on right now, why people should um, participate in those meaningfully. Yes. Um, Americans for Safe Access has been one of the leading organizations in patient advocacy. And um, they've actually just launched a new campaign called No Patient Left Behind. And the, uh, the purpose of this campaign is to ensure that every patient in this country has safe access to medical cannabis no matter where they live. Um, so right now we have this patchwork of regulations across our country, um, which means that some people have access to uh, pretty much any product and other people have zero access. Um, so ASA is looking to raise awareness and uh, make changes to ensure access for people who um, face barriers to medical cannabis. So for example, um, veterans, uh, federal employees, uh, employees subject to drug testing um, without employment protections for medical cannabis patients, uh, patients in treatment or hospice centers, patients who need to travel across state lines, people living in poverty, people living in underserved areas, um, federal employees, and um, you know, folks who live in areas that have very restrictive lists of qualifying conditions for their medical cards, um, or of course, no access at all. Um, and students whose schools don't permit them to consume their medication on school grounds, people on organ transplant lists. Um, you know, there are there are many categories of people who are really being denied access to this medicine, and they are suffering unnecessarily. So um, I definitely would encourage folks to visit the ASA website. It's safeaccessnow.org and they have a petition for no patient left behind that you can sign and you can sign up for updates um, to stay involved and um, help be a part of ending this federal prohibition on cannabis. I recall seeing recently, and um, this kind of goes hand in hand with you being so socially and politically active, Anna, that you on social media um, helped to elevate the uh, importance around an issue concerning an individual who was unjustly imprisoned for cannabis use. Um, I think it was roughly four or five days ago. Do you know what I'm referring to? Um, Probably Last Prisoner Project. Correct. Um, yeah. Yes. Could, could you could you go into that in a little bit of depth for for our listeners? Definitely. And this is another nonprofit that you 
absolutely want to support, um, lastprisonerproject.org. And um, the mission of this organization is to free every cannabis prisoner in the U.S. And um, right now, of course, it's, um, it's a very bad time to be in prison with the, I mean, you know, it's never a good time, right? But especially when you're unjustly imprisoned. So we have folks who've been locked away for um, sometimes decades or life uh, for cannabis charges. And then we have cannabis, meanwhile, being declared an essential industry during the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, in, in places like here in Oregon and California and other places across the country. Um, and yet our, our jails and prisons are the, you know, the least safe places in the nation um, when it comes to the virus um, because there are not, you know, there's not the ability to socially distance. There's not the ability for sanitation and hand washing. And um, there is not sanitizer available, masks, um, any other kind of protective gear. So um, number one, these people shouldn't be in prison to begin with. And number two, we need to help get them out now. Um, so again, lastprisonerproject.org is the place to get involved and connect with the folks who are doing this work. Terrific, thank you. On, on a more positive note, I wanna leave our viewers with something um, more uplifting. Uh, I wanted to find out, and I suspect the answer is no, but has your season um, for the team there in Oregon, has that been postponed or is that still uncertain? Well, uh, as you know, being a rugby player, <laughs> we play most of the year. There's a little break kind of over the winter holidays, but we have a spring season, then summer is seven season, and then we have a fall season. So while our spring season did get scuttled, um, I, I got to play in one sevens tournament in February. Um, Spring season is done. Summer, I'm not going to, you know, hold high hopes for that. And the fall, we are tentatively scheduling, but really kind of wait and see um, if that will even be possible. So we're kind of uh, up in the air about it, and that's okay. I mean, so much of life is like that right now. Um, we're just finding ways to stay connected as a team uh, online and doing our home workouts and, um, you know, kind of keeping the, the rugby inspiration alive, the spirit of it alive. And when, at whatever point we're able to actually play again, we will be stoked. Terrific. Uh, that's uh, just the type of uplifting message I was aiming for. Thanks, Anna. Really yeah. appreciate you joining the program and enjoy the uh, upcoming weekend. I hope we have an opportunity to unwind with uh, friends and family and um, and try to insulate yourself at least emotionally and psychologically from you know all the horrors and have an opportunity just to um, you know um, be happy and um, try to tap into some of that joy that still very much exists in so many moments.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.